0: Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Salty Saints Podcast. Here we hope to better equip you to go out in your community, to be salt and light to that community, to be a reflection of Jesus to those around you, and uh, to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. My name is Zach, and uh, once again, I'm here with my friend Randy Spate. He is a pastor at New Hope Church, and today we're going to be talking about prayer. Hey, Zach. How you doing? Not too bad. How's it going?
1: Great, great. Prayer is an incredible topic. You know, uh, a lot of people just fear prayer because, frankly, I think it is a very unnatural thing to do. Sitting down with somebody across the table, you can look them in the eye and you can speak to them. But when you pray, there is not someone physically on the other side of the table. So that's kind of hard for a lot of people.
0: Yeah, I think that I think that makes a lot of sense. Um it, that's part of the faith element though. Um for a Christian is that you know, we we believe in a God that we can't see. And so there is definitely a there can be a disconnect there for especially for new believers and I mean even some believers that have been around, you know, in the faith forever, grown up in it even.
1: It's yeah. a a faith in a God that we can't see, but we are are confident is really there. And so prayer really ends up being a dialogue i was looking uh, before we uh, came in here uh in the old testament there are a lot of different words for prayer at least eight as many as 12 depending on how you count them uh, six of those eight just talk about asking or begging and we kind of get that because usually when we're praying we're going to god saying hey i need something would you please help me to do this or or give this to me, or heal me from this. But there's another word that is to ask for mercy. Uh, God, I've really messed up. Please forgive me. Help me to do better. But the last one is the one that really caught my attention, because that word simply means to meet. Prayer ultimately is meeting with God, being present with God. Even if you can see him, to recognize that he is there and that what we're doing is beginning a dialogue with him. It's not a monologue where we write our Christmas wish list and mail it off to either Santa Claus or or to God in heaven and hope that we get him. It's A dialogue between someone who really is there. It's a meeting with that person.
0: Absolutely. And uh, while we're there, I I think the important thing to touch on is that we don't audibly hear the voice of God. I mean, some people claim to, (laughs) you know, over the years. I don't know where I stand on that exactly. But I do know that we hear God's voice when we read Scripture. We we come to know God's thoughts and God's understanding on things through his word that's been given to us. And so that's our responsibility to pray and read scripture.
1: We do hear from God that way. I've talked to some people who do say that they have uh, they have heard God's voice, and, and frankly, I believe them. Uh, my father-in-law uh, was one of those people. I'd have to say that in my own life, I have not heard an audible voice, but there were two or three moments where God's voice to me was so obvious Uh that it really didn't matter that I didn't hear an audible voice. I knew God was speaking to me, and I understood what it was that he was saying to me. That's only happened like two or three times in my life, and I'm 66 years old. I was concerned about that at one point until I heard someone Preach on Abraham, and they said Abraham lived to be a hundred and eighty, I think it was, and he heard from God six times. So that's once every right. thirty years. Okay, so I'm I'm you're one right time, on track, man. I'm one time ahead of the curve. Yeah,
0: you're good. You're good.
1: <laughs> the New Testament also uh, goes on. It, it it has eight different words as well for prayer. Again, the vast majority of those five of those eight are to ask. But here again, two of them mean to kneel before, and the other one means to worship.
0: And you said that's a Hebrew, that's a Hebrew word? That's or, a Greek word. That's a Greek that's word. That's in the New Testament, Gosh, yeah. Okay. So again, it's meeting God, and since he
1: is God, what do we do when we meet him? We fall to our knees, we bow before him, we kneel before him and we worship him. That's why many people will pray on their knees. I think it's recognizing physically that uh, spiritual attitude of worship, of of being before the creator.
0: Right. I mean, you wouldn't talk to God like you would talk to your best pal, you know, like he's, he is the God of the universe. He's not your buddy. I mean, he does love you. He is your friend. He called Abraham his friend, but we, we have to come to him with a sense of reverence and we have to come before him as he is a king and that we're not worthy because we're not. And he is.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. And the amazing
0: thing is that in our
1: state, as we are in his state, as he is, he still comes to us and says, I want you to talk to me. So prayer is the means that we have to do that, which begs the question, how do we pray? It is unnatural. A lot of people have trouble praying, and I get that, because it is not a normal thing to do.
0: Absolutely not. I, I, I would say it's not until recent years that I really kind of felt like I grasped prayer, and I do. I pray daily. That's that's one part of my walk with God that I really do feel like I do very well in, is I, I pray to Him constantly, but I, I do think that there's a level of comfort that has to come with just doing it, because yeah, when you first start praying, you feel kind of weird. It's not natural, exactly like you're saying.
1: So Zach, do you drive stick? Do you drive manual cars? No. Okay, so... <laughs> For anybody who is listening who has learned how to drive a manual car, you know that when you learned how to drive, it was very awkward. Uh, it had to be very intentional. You depress the clutch. You give it a little bit of gas. You let out on the clutch until you hit the point of engagement and and then release it a little slowly. But shifting is tough. and And for a while, it is just very awkward and unnatural. But after a couple of times, it becomes more natural, it becomes second nature, and pretty soon you're driving without even thinking about it. And that's kind of the way it is with prayer. Those who say that they just don't know how to pray and never try are never going to open their lives up to a new facet of spiritual growth. But if you're willing to face it and do the uncomfortable thing, it can become natural
0: and i I mean I think even for people that uh that that don't drive manual i mean that that goes for anything in life i mean working out for instance i mean like <laughs> As much as I hate it, (laughs) when you get in those rhythms of it, when you get in that swing of things, it definitely becomes more second nature. Anything anything that you don't make a common practice. Absolutely.
1: I think Jesus recognized himself that prayer is not a natural thing to do. Most Jews during his time had memorized prayers that they would simply repeat, and that's not what he's looking for. Mm -hmm. And so when the disciples came to him and said, uh, How should we pray? He actually had an answer. And the prayer that we have called the Lord's Prayer is his example on what we should do when we pray. So it might be helpful to us if we just kind of take a look at the Lord's Prayer and see the different elements that are involved in it. Do you want to read that one? Sure. So I've got the version, uh, the NIV, From the book of Matthew, it's in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 9. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one.
0: And just just for fair measure, can we go ahead and uh, I'll go the NLT route, the New Living Translation. Fantastic. It's just a little bit more modern. Um, I, I always thought hallowed was a really weird word. And then I started reading the NLT and I was like, oh, okay, it's holy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, it says, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. So, Zach, let's look at that. Let's just take it line by line.
1: First line, our Father in heaven. He's just identifying, okay, God, I am praying to you. What do you think he means when he says, uh, your name be made holy?
0: So I th- I personally think that that stretches back all the way to the covenant with Israel in the first place. That God when, when he says in the Ten Commandments, "Don't take my name in vain," the Hebrew word there, "take," is to bear or to carry. So the Israelites were carrying God's name, and he was saying, "When you wear my name, represent me well. Like don't don't sully my name." We've that's kind of con- beautiful. Well, we've kind of condensed that down into "Don't say OMG," you know, and that's not what it is. I mean, that's part of it. But it's, it's more than that. It's live your life in a way that reflects me well. And I think that's what it's saying here. May your name be kept holy. You're my people. Represent me well.
1: So it's an identification. It's us exactly. saying to God, hey, I want to follow you. I want to be a, a good Christian. I want to represent you well. So the next line, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What do you think that is about? What's he saying there?
0: Oh, man. Uh, Okay, so uh, may your kingdom come soon. Uh, That would be the reign of God uh, coming among men. So whereas men has been living in this fallen state, now they're saying, no, we want to live your way. We want to live the way that the Holy Spirit will guide us. Um, May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Those two lines really go together, Um, that we want to live here on earth in the way that heaven operates. Do your will in me. Exactly. Help help
1: me to be the kind of person you want me to be. Then he goes on, uh give us today our daily bread. What is it the NLT says?
0: Uh give us today the food we need. So same same difference. It's you know, give us what we need. Basic request.
1: That's, it is interesting that he doesn't ask for a Ferrari or doesn't right. ask for, for a luxury condo. Uh give me what I need. Right. What I really, really need. And then he says. Forgive us our debts because we have also forgiven our debtors.
0: Right. And then the NLT would say sins instead of debts, which um, debts kind of transcribes a little better into some of Jesus' parables. But sin, I think, is something... That's more practical. Yeah, it's more practical.
1: So there's that forgiveness element. And then at the very end, something that we frequently forget about. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one.
0: Yeah, I think that one's really interesting. Um man, I, I quote from the Bible project so much, but they did a great video on the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and basically made the statement that every every time you come to something in your life, you're facing the original sin. You're facing the sin of or the, the, the temptation of am I going to follow God or am I going to follow my own way? And that's what the temptation is to give in to our own destiny, to make our own destiny, rather than follow God's plan for us.
1: And so Jesus says, part of your prayer should be, pray for your tomorrow. You've prayed for forgiveness of today's sins. Pray for tomorrow that you are kept from that sin.
0: I like that. That's a good way of differentiating between those two lines. Um, And I've never really thought of that before.
1: So Jesus gives us examples how to pray. We also look at Jesus' life, and we see him constantly in prayer. I'm blown away by that. I still, honestly, Zach, I can't wrap my mind around the concept of Jesus being God, praying to God.
0: Right, right. So...
1: (laughs) How did he finish his prayers? He didn't say, in Jesus' name, I
0: pray. <laughs> right. Even, even though he tells us to say, in Jesus' name, I pray. Right, right, right.
1: But it goes back to the basic concept that prayer for Jesus was not just about making requests. He didn't have to make requests of God. He was God. Right. He could fulfill those requests. It was about meeting God. It was about being with God. It was about communion and dialogue. Right. And you get the sense when Jesus spends frequently all night in prayer that a lot of that was spent listening, not just talking.
0: And the, the other thing we have to kind of ponder about the Trinity is the fact that God is a triune being, three in one. That That is three persons but one God. That means before God had created anything, God was— always there, but God was also never alone, which means God was always living in community with himself, that that these three persons that are all one God were loving each other. Jesus shows us that in the way he prays to the Father. And so we're being brought into that relationship. We're being brought into God's community. I mean, God is a God of community at his most basic understanding or the most basic understanding we have of God.
1: John 17 is one of Jesus' prayers. And uh, in that prayer, uh, Jesus goes to God and says, You and I are one. And we are bringing these guys into that union that we have together. That's beautiful because we get that through prayer. So, back to the question of how to pray. What do we need to do when we pray, especially as it's awkward and we're trying to figure it out? A couple of things. I just have three ideas, but uh, just a couple of negative ideas. They don't have to be flowery. Uh, They don't have to be just ornate with words or verbose. That's not what God's looking for. You don't have to when you're... When you're talking to your wife or you're talking to your neighbor, you don't have to write out a speech ahead of time. Right. You just go and you talk. So it
0: doesn't have to be flowery. In fact, it's, it's actually recommended that we not just go in and, and bumble around with words. Uh, he says, that's what the pagans do. Don't, don't come right. in here praying that way to me. Talk to me. I mean, the first thing, sorry, to touch back on the Lord's Prayer, it's our Father Yeah, it's it it, that's got to be the first time in history that anyone ever looked at Yahweh, the God of Israel, as, you know, Abba, which is daddy Daddy. in Hebrew. Um, And, uh, you know, so it's the way a child would come to its father. And that's how Jesus is telling us to approach him. And, you know, a little kid doesn't come up to their parent and say, hello, my father, my, (laughs) my gracious one who has given me life. You know, like it's it's. Danny. I need this. Please yeah. help me. You know, like, yeah. and that's how we're we're called. So,
1: so one of the tools that I think we have available to us that really helped me when I began trying to learn how to pray was to actually pray Scripture. There's an entire book, the Book of Psalms, that are prayer after prayer after prayer, and I found it helpful to go to the Book of Psalms and to read through a psalm, but more than read it, I was praying it. Mm -hmm. So you come to like Psalm 9. I will praise you, O Lord, with all my heart. I will tell of all your wonders. I'll be glad and rejoice in you. I'll sing praise to your name, O Most High. And David goes on. You can make your way through that entire psalm praying to God. Absolutely. Just through that psalm. And that that's a psalm of worship. A couple of, uh, a couple of psalms later, David is feeling a little bit depressed. Psalm 13, that's an appropriate number, isn't it? How long, O oh Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and every day have sorrow in my heart? There are times that I've felt like that. And going to a psalm like Psalm 13 and praying through that was helpful because David consistently comes back. The last verse of that psalm, But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I'll sing to the Lord for he's been good to me. David says, I don't see it now, but I know it to be true so I can rejoice.
0: Right. And and the other thing I think we can learn from David and the way he prays in the Psalms is as as reverent as he is toward God, when he turns around and says things like, you know, "I, I know you're good. I know that you will do good. We also have to keep in mind that he is so unapologetically forward in his requests. he He's asking very direct things of God. I mean, people are pursuing David to kill him, and David's turning around and saying, kill these guys. Do some, you know, like, <laughs> kill these guys that are going to hurt me, you know? And I, I'm not saying we should pray for our enemies to be destroyed. I am saying that David isn't afraid to request specifically what he needs, what is going to bi- to save him, essentially. And
1: it, it, it's a dialogue between David and God. So when he feels like God's abandoning
0: him, he, de- he doesn't sugarcoat it. No. How long will you forget me, O oh Lord? Right. Uh but that's how you would talk to somebody you genuinely knew and trusted and had seen work in your life. That's right. And now when, when nothing's happening, you're going to turn around and say, I, what are you doing? Like, I need your help. You know?
1: I honestly think that you can find a psalm for every attitude that you have in life. Second possibility, I found it very helpful to read great prayers. Now, one of those... Um, There was a uh, chaplain of the U.S. Senate back in the 40s and 50s. His name was Peter Marshall. He was Scottish, actually, an American but of Scottish descendancy. And his prayers are just absolutely phenomenal. Now, they do tend to the flowery side. But uh, you can go to the library and check out a book called The Prayers of Peter Marshall. I read through that, and it really helped. It, it it helped me to understand the nature of prayer. And I saw Peter Marshall doing the same thing that David was doing. When he was depressed, he looked at God and said, You're letting me down. <laughs> I found that helpful. So find some great prayers. Listen to them. Read their prayers. I think that
0: helps. Right. It definitely helps to see... How realistic they pray. They, I feel like sometimes we hear prayers on the radio or watching like, you know, cable television and like they're so sugarcoated and it, it does help to just strip it down to that raw level and see something like that coming from such a emotional raw place.
1: More recently, I've been challenged uh, to be bold in praying for people, and I will frequently pray for someone who is not necessarily a Christian, doesn't even necessarily believe in God, but I have yet to say to somebody, may I pray for you, and have them say, no, I don't want you to. Uh, They will always say yes, so I don't make it flowery, I just get straight. Right to the point. Lord, this person's sick. Here's what they're suffering from. Heal them. Thank you. Amen. And, you know, 30 seconds, 40 seconds later, I I look up, and they kind of look up, and inevitably they'll say, gee, thanks. (laughs) Right, right. So the last idea that I have here is sometimes it's the actual verbalization. It's articulating the prayer. That becomes difficult for us. If you are a better writer than you are a speaker, write your prayers. You can read them out loud afterwards if you want to or not. It doesn't really matter. It is communication with God. You are opening your heart to the Lord and then preparing to listen to the Lord. So write your prayers down.
0: I mean, if you're more like me, I feel that when I write something down, I spend too much time perfecting it and making it, making it this beautiful poem or something. And when I pray to God personally, I just try and let it flow out of me. Um, that's, just, that's when I feel the most connected to him. That's when I feel that I'm really pouring my ha- heart out to him. So th- there is no right or wrong method here. Right. It's, it, you're just opening up that dialogue with God.
1: Sometimes I think a lot of people have the idea that they need someone else to pray for them because they are incapable of of, uh, praying for themselves. It's absolutely wrong. That is not what God wants. God wants to meet you. He doesn't want to meet somebody that you know.
0: I mean, if that were the case, Jesus would have just prayed for all of the disciples. Yeah. But he didn't. He taught them how to pray.
1: Yeah. Here's how you should pray. You go and make this prayer.
0: Exactly. I mean, he he is our he's, a, he's, he's our priest. He's our Levitical priest, basically, before God. But he taught us how to do these things ourselves. And that's, that's especially important within their context at the time because God had seemed so distant in many ways. And now Jesus is saying, no, he's right here. Just pray. That's just right. Just pray to That's him. That's right.
1: To the extent that he said he's daddy. He's exactly. Abba.
0: Exactly. It's, it's super interesting. The, the one that always um, kind of gets me, I don't know what it is about it, but um, it's when Jesus goes to raise Lazarus from the dead. And basically he just cries out to God in front of everybody and thanks him for being so good and hearing him. And then he just says, Lazarus, come out of that tomb. And then he does. And it's like Jesus didn't probably have to thank God at that point, but it's like he knew what was going to happen next. And he knew how good God was. And he just does it in front of everyone, but not like in a boastful way. It's like it's a very personal prayer, but it's just there in the open. And I, I don't know. That one's just always kind of been interesting. To That's me. a great story. I, I love that story. So, uh, we, oh, we did have—we uh, were talking about the tacos method before we got oh, started yeah, here. Oh, yeah, there are a couple of
1: methods out there, and tacos is one of those. So it's just a little way to remember the different elements of uh, what you can pray for. So the T in tacos stands for— That one's Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. So when we come to God, we always want to be, (laughs) in essence, we want to be polite, but we also got to recognize that everything does come from him. So we start by thanking him. Then A. That's adoration. So we come to God to worship because even though it is a dialogue, he is God.
0: Right. Uh, The C would be confession.
1: And that goes back to our sin. We mess up on a daily basis. So we need to go to God on a daily basis and say, man, help. I've I've messed up. I've sinned against you. I've sinned against other people. Help me to make this right. Then the O. That would be others. Looking at others. We do have requests. We do have things that we want to ask. So we should think about what do the people around me, what does my family need? What do my neighbors need? And then the S. And
0: that would be self.
1: We have things that we want to ask God for. And uh, yeah, our daily bread is that's a good prayer. Give us uh, what we need today. Asking for a Ferrari and a luxury condo, probably not the best prayer. But we can approach God and ask Him for what we perceive as our true needs. So we thank Him, we adore Him. We confess our sins, we pray for others, and then we pray for ourselves.
0: That's right. And I just want to stress how important it is to start praying. If, if you don't pray, do it now. Do it whenever you've got the chance. You, you need to open that dialogue and that relationship with God. If you're at a place in your life and you're thinking, well, I just don't feel like God— is, is in my life. I don't feel like God's talking to me. Maybe, maybe you are a believer. Maybe you're not. Um, but if you're hearing this and you, you're feeling that way, but you're also not praying, I just want to ask what happens to a relationship with say your best friend or your family member. When you don't talk to them, you don't hear from them. If you're not seeking them out to hear from them, you're, you're probably not just gonna, it's going to taper off. You know, it's, it's going to diminish And so God's asking you to seek Him out. God's asking you, come and and pray to me. I want to have a conversation with you.
1: A conversation is always two-way. If we feel like God is not talking to us, maybe it's we who stop talking to
0: Him. That's right. And and I do—sorry, one more thing I want to stress is as you pray— you, you can't just go off of a feeling, a gut feeling all the time. We have to search the scriptures and make sure the feelings we're getting from our prayers, the feelings that, that God is talking to us, that it aligns with what God says in scripture. If if what you are feeling that you're being told by God doesn't match scripture, it's probably not coming from God. It That's either you or that's some other spiritual influence. I don't know. But what I do know is that we we see God's thoughts through his word, and that you should be seeking him in his word as well.
1: Those That's, that's a great word, Zach.
0: Excellent. Um, you got anything else for me, Randy?
1: Oh, there's probably a lot
0: more that we could <laughs> say, but uh, yeah, I think we've hit the basics. I think that's fair. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening, guys. Uh, it's been great talking about prayer. We hope that this will bless you. We hope that you will take this and apply it to your daily life. And until next time, stay salty.